wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a gorgeous Monday. Weather is nice and cool and crispy. You wouldn't even say it's cool. Just like perfect, I would say. Uh, fall day. Leaves haven't changed colors yet, which is, I think they're late this year. Usually they start turning colors at this point in time, but they haven't. And today we're going to move into a little bit of a history lesson on <coughs> how Israel came to be. Because common education is, 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 is not that good anymore. And people are reacting to current events with the basis that Israel is just a normal country. Well, how do you have a essentially Eastern European Jewish nation in the middle of the Arab world? It's not organic. It's not something that is um, grew slowly over time. This is something that happened essentially within 50 years, in the span of 50 years. And it all began uh, with, I would say, it began with anti-Semitism, hatred of Jews in Europe. Uh, Jews' issues was always with Christians. Muslims' issues were always with Christians, more so than with one another. So Jews lived in Morocco. Jews lived in Egypt. Jew, in fact, um, recently I met an Egyptian Jew. Ryan and I were here maybe about a year ago, and there was some mice, little mice in the basement, as usual. So we... Ryan picked up the phone. He called the local exterminator and a woman comes in and she's Egyptian and we're chit-chatting. I realize she's Egyptian. She tells me she's Israeli, right? Or she's an Egyptian Jew who eventually moved to Israel. So Egypt had Jews. Syria had some Jews. Iraq had plenty of Jews and they lived there. The issue with the Jews uh, before the modern period was in Europe, okay? And Christians don't have a law on how to interact with the Jews or with, with any minority, okay? Whereas the Sharia does have such a law, okay? Uh, the Sharia has a, 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 a law that is between sort of a, the, the, a right-wing purify your, your demographic uh, view of things, which is all over the right wing, uh, the Europe now. This idea of purify your demographic, okay? Bannon, when he was around at the time of Trump, was all about, you know, America is not just a country with an economy. We also have a culture. We're a culture. And what he's trying to say is we're a white Christian culture, so the numbers have to remain majority white Christian. Okay, that's really the code of what he was trying to say. So you have that on one side. You have the liberal Democrats on the other side that say, no, if you're born here, you're a citizen. If the majority of the nation becomes Hispanic, it becomes Hispanic. And there's no one set uh, demographic that drives the culture. It's whatever is going. Okay. So while Sharia doesn't have either one of this, Sharia, the, the law of the Sharia is that the law of God is going to rule. Many people may live under it. And if you are outside that law, as a Jew or a Christian or in, in, in the Mughal period, a Hindu, okay, they applied it to the Hindus. In West Africa, there were animists. Well, yeah, you can live and you have your own rights, but you're not going to rule. Simple as that. You're not ruling. 
that's a condition. So that that is what the dhimmi status is called. You can rule yourself, but Allah has given us a mandate to rule by this law. Okay. Now you want to you want to rule? You want to, you submit to God's law. You don't have to be any ethnicity. You could be any ethnicity you want, as long as you're going to rule by this law, the Sharia. So that's the idea. Well, it, Europe, the Christians never have such a concept of how do I handle a group of people, a minority of people who are under under us that aren't Christian. So uh, we know what the Europeans did. They were extremely vicious towards the Jews. Okay, And <clears throat> the Jews of the Western Europe, uh, Western side of your European countries, they got a lot stronger. And they were financially well off, the Rothschilds, etc. The Jews of the Eastern European countries were really miserable and were really ghettoized and were really, you know, miskeened. The, the Polish Jews, Russian Jews, uh, they were in a really bad situation. So if you want to know where the origin of the state of Israel really originates from, it's the anti-Semitism and the hatred of Jews that existed throughout European history, okay? Which led ultimately to the godfather of the idea, who's really, just from a, a secular, just from like a worldly perspective, a talented man, a visionary, a very confident man, and his confidence ended up actually spreading, and that is Theodore Herzl. So Theodore Herzl is a writer, and he's an organizer, that's really what he was. He was a writer and a, an organizer, and he came up with the idea that in order to to live safely, that's all we want to do is just live safely, okay? Uh, you don't get a lot of malice from Theodore Herzl, okay? Not like the people who ended up acting upon his idea, but you don't get a lot of mal malice when you read about him. He just wants this place to live free from this persecution, and at one point... Uganda was one of his targets, okay, that he wanted to live in Uganda. And, but eventually in 1897, he goes to Basel and he has a massive Congress. I mean, this is huge of Jews. And the Western Jews are rich and not really interested, okay. But the Eastern Jews view him as a godsend. The Eastern Jews are poor. They're battered. They're really mesquine. They're, <clears throat> excuse me, I still got some of this cough going on. They're still, they're, they're looking for something. And they view Herzl as a messiah. Not religiously as a messiah, but as like a godsend. And they're the ones who really uh, prop up the idea. They go for the idea. They start dreaming. They start really wanting uh, to, to live this the, the, this reality of having their own state being free from the abuse of the Eastern European countries and Christians. So Herzl comes around, uh, does what he does, and he prophecies the day after the Congress, not prophecies, I'm just using that as a term, he says in 50 years we're going to have a state. And in this con conference, they decided that Palestine is going to be the state and that's where you could start saying now the application of this is going to have to cross boundaries here you're going to have to cross moral boundaries all right now i'm reading here articles and history and i want to read to you 
something that is extremely necessary for the myth of the Jewish state to, to, to go with a clean conscience. I look at it like this. Listen, you want a state. You want to steal people's land. Just say you're going to steal people's land. But to propel, uh, to keep repeating and propagate the myths that I'm about to read to you is sort of absurd. All right, so this is where... So it says, in the first century, when the Jewish civilization in Israel was over a thousand years old, Rome destroyed the Holy Temple in Jerusalem and conquered the Jewish nation. At this time, the Romans renamed the region Palestine and exiled a portion of the population, but some Jews remained. All right, fine. Next paragraph. For the two millennia after the Roman conquest, no other state or unique group developed in the region. Who are you lying to here? Like, who are you fooling? That's why common, that's why we're doing this, because common education, you cannot assume anything anymore. And the amount of, you say something like this, so wait a second, what is it like Nevada, New Mexico, was just empty land, the, the, the empty quarter of Arabia is just like empty? For 2,000 years? Really? 2,000 years, nothing ever happened there. Uh, absurd. Complete absurd notion. All right. Throughout these 2,000 years, though, the Jews considered, continued to view a return of their ancient homeland as an essential part of, the identi- uh, of their identity and a source of hope. Okay. Part, I want to say this, that part of the, the, the myth that Israel is not a colonial settler state, which is what they are. They're colonizers who plan on settling. So there's colonizers who plan on leaving. And there's colonizers who plan on staying. So the British were always colonizers that we're going to soak it up as long as we can. And then we go back to England when it's all over. Okay. There, there wasn't a settler mentality when the British, just as an example, went to England, uh, sorry, to India. I mean, they went, but there wasn't a concept that this is going to be our new home. No, we got England. We soak, 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 squeeze it as, as much as we can, and then we go back. So there, that's the idea of the colonizer state that is more of an empire fashion rather than a colonizing settler state. The colonizer settlers, they want to stay there. Okay? They plan on staying there. Well, one of the Israeli arguments is that no, we were here a long time ago. And that's the argument against why we're not set colonizing settlers. What are you talking about? So that means I can go to a home that I once lived in and take it back, right? Just the logic of it. Here's a good analogy that I think is the best. A bunch of thugs go back to their childhood home, Okay. Now, the childhood home, sometimes you live four, five, six homes in your life, right? A bunch of thugs put on some masks. They go back to their childhood home, wrap up the family that's living there, and stuff them in the basement, okay? They take their masks off, dust off the place, all right? Go meet the neighbors and say, hey, all right, uh, I'm, I'm the new owner here. Where's the old owner? I don't know. He's, he left. Okay? We, bought, we got this here fair and square. We've always lived here, in fact. 
Our great grandfather bought this house. Okay. I don't care. The neighbors. I'm not going to go and investigate the neighbors. The thugs then go back to their original home and bring their family back and start living as if they're a real family in a real home. Meanwhile, the wrapped up family in the basement, they throw them some, some food every once in a while. And if they make too much noise, they go and pop them in the jaw to shut them up. Okay. Years pass. The new, this family now has invitations and parties and they go to soccer practice and they go there to, you know, back to school night and they're just like any other family. Okay. Fast forward. Those little kids in the basement have grown up to become teenagers living in squalor. And one day they manage to burst through the basement and burst through the locks and they see their home again for the first, what the heck, this is our home. And they run around, all right, trying to do something to get their home back. And in the mean, in the, in, in the process, they give the other kid a black eye, break some vases, make a mess in the front lawn, scare all the neighbors, and immediately all the neighbors are like, what, what ter- terrible people, where'd they come from? Where did these people come from? Okay. We need to call the police on these people. The whole cul-de-sac now calls the police on these people. Right? These people are terrible, provided you don't know the history. Okay? Which is why, and and there is an assumption. I'm telling you, it's an assumption that people know the history. A lot of people don't know the history. So, it's necessary for the, this website here is echoesandreflections.org. I don't know what it is. Some of the information is really good, but... It's research, but you see these lines. Here's another one. Between 1517 and 1917, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire. The region initially prospered under the Ottomans. Hold on a second. Don't you just contradict yourself? You just said for two millennium, nobody showed up. Right? Now you're telling me that from 1517 to 1917, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire. What was it part of before that? All right. All right. From 50, from, for these 200 years... Initially, things were good. But during the Ottoman Empire's decline, it was reduced into a sparsely populated, impoverished, barren area. Nobody was there. Sparsely populated. So tell me, how are there 7 million Palestinians now, only 100 years after that? Clearly, someone was there in order to give birth to these 7 million people. Right now, it's like 7 to 7 population of Palestinians to Israelis. Clearly, there must have been some human beings there to produce these 7 million Palestinians that we're counting now, today. Again, it's a necessary part of these are myths and lies that are necessary to justify to your conscience. When you take someone's land, you say, well, nobody was here. Myth number two. Well, we were here before. That doesn't justify anything. You know what else is myth number three? We're the majority. All right, so if I got 11 people, I can go into a house that's occupied by three people. Hey, now 11 people are being protected, have a roof over their head. And you're only three people. Is that, that's a justification. So these are all part of the... um, justifications here's another one we have nowhere else to go 
right? So because you're homeless, you get to take our country, right? Because you're homeless, you get to steal my car. Because you're homeless, you get to steal my house because you got nowhere else to go. You see, all of these are things you're going to hear over and over and over. Here's another one, okay? Here's another one. We were abused in Europe. Well, that's true, but how does that have to do with becoming an abuser? How does that have to do with theft? How does that justify theft? Okay. So these are all uh, necessary myths, lies, fabrications that are needed to salve and assuage the conscience, okay, of people as they learn the history of their nation. So Theodor Herzl goes around writing and has this conference, and he called it. He said, within 50 years, we're going to have a state, and Palestine becomes the direction. So around the 1900s, Eastern Europeans start moving down to Palestine, start buying lands. And there is truth that they did buy some lands. There is also truth that they stole some lands. Okay, But the purchasing began first. And people come in, purchase a farm, purchase a home. It doesn't affect anything. It doesn't really change things. There's now tens of thousands of Eastern European families now moving into Palestine at this time. Okay, And Zionism as a movement is emerging. Western Europeans, Western European Jews, they're living fine in England. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, No, I'm good. That's fine. Thanks. They're living fine in England, living fine in France. They don't want to go anywhere. Okay. And they go down. They want to go down. Uh, Announcement here. Sorry to interrupt here. Announcement. Muhammad Hijab will be on Pierce Morgan in an hour and 20 minutes. We're going to be done by then. And we're going to, we can watch it, inshallah. We'll be finished. We're going we're gonna to log off, and then we can watch that. Tomorrow, by the way, we will be starting at 1.30, right? Around 1.30, because there's a doctor's appointment I have to go to. In any event, now we get back to this. Um, World War I happens, and the Ottomans sided with the Germans. They lost. The Allies won. The Allies then start distributing all of the Ottoman country, uh, lands outside of Turkey. They even tried to take Turkey. And Kemal, Mustafa Kemal, was a general who fought hard. And he actually saved them from being colonized by England. But unfortunately, he was a secularist. Okay, And he took the country down the secular route. But the rest of England... Sorry, the rest of the Ottoman Empire was chopped up. So Syria went to France. Palestine went to England. At around this time, okay, between in the interwar period, Britain is governing Palestine. And British uh, uh, politicians are appeasing the Arabs and appeasing the Jews. They're telling the Arabs, all right, calm down, we'll get you a state. All right, let me just mop this up and we'll get you a state. And they created a period of tutelage that they need to teach these conquered nations how to run themselves. 
Simultaneously, they're telling the Jews, don't worry, you, you'll get a state. The population of Jews continues to increase in the interwar period between World War I and World War II. See, I know all this stuff because I'm married to a historian. Okay. I don't have to read so much. I don't have to study. I just get the, I get the, 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 I get the lecture during dinner. And then I get to teach, say it to you guys. He continues on that uh, between this time, the, the British really don't know what to do. And finally, they say, listen, they issue a white paper. In 1939, they issue a white paper that said, hey, listen, both of you, you're fighting each other. You're bothering us. Enough with the, the both of you, okay? They issue a white paper that said there will be neither, okay, a Jewish state nor an Arab state. It will be an independent, secular state, okay? And anyone who's there is going to be a citizen, full stop, discussion over. And Jews, you're only allowed 75,000 people. Seventy-five. You're only allowed 75,000 people to migrate in here, okay? Enough is enough. All right, what happens? What comes in after this frustration of the, the Zionist plan now as the British have pulled out after Balfour, a politician, promised them a country, but now the British pulled out. So what happens next? The British, the Zionist plan is again saved by what fueled it originally, European anti-Semitism. European anti-Semitism truly is the fuel of the state of Israel, more so than the biblical and all this uh, end of time stuff. On top of that, there were British politicians like Lloyd George who firmly believed that Jesus would come back. I mean, look this up. Lloyd George believed that Jesus would come back if Israel gets a state. And what really completely pushed it look it up david lloyd george look him up put him up there okay it's the holocaust at this time the holocaust happens all right when the holocaust happens of course this is all overlapping each other history is like you want to think of it as segmented but when it's two different locations stuff is happening at the same time when the holocaust happens to the western european jews and some of the Eastern Europeans, the Poles, have the Polish people and German Jews. This does two things. Number one, England is just completely exhausted by World War II. The last thing that they want to deal with is dealing with Palestine, Jews, and Arabs. Okay, Simultaneously, all the Western nations begin to feel very guilty for having watched as the Jews are slaughtered and butchered and gassed and these pictures start going around and that basically tips the balance. So 1948 comes around and England basically puts up the white flag. We're out of the Palestine business. We're out of here, okay? And we're going to give the state uh, to Israel and that's when um, David Ben-Gurion... On May 14, 1948, 51 years. Theodor Herzl said 50 years. It was 51 years, okay, afterwards. 
Now, he initially he announces himself. Now, who is uh, he announces the prime minister, and we have a Jewish state, and immediately all the Western nations feeling guilty about the Holocaust, they run uh, to recognize Israel right away. Of course, the Arabs don't, and they fight right away, but they lose. But the David Mangurian is a guy who moved with his family when he was about 20 years old. And there, he was part of the Haganah. Now, the Haganah is a group you have to understand who they are. They're basically the, the people who protected Jews, and they were the armed force, mainly from World War I veterans, Jewish veterans, who came and lived in Israel at that time. The Haganah is essentially what will become the IDF. And when the white paper was published, okay, when the white paper was published, and Britain said, listen, you two squabbling kids, neither of you are getting a state. Okay, you know how parents do this? That's basically what Britain did. You're, neither of you are getting a state. You're arguing the whole time? All right, no one's getting any ice cream. That's basically what Britain did. Okay. Well... They had to, to they, 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 the Haganah then and David Ben-Gurion were basically terrorists. And they started terrorizing England. How? By blowing up their headquarters. And that's the famous bombing of the King David Hotel in 1946. Okay. The British arrested hundreds of fighters of Jewish militias. Okay. All right. And Palestine's fanciest hotel was the British military headquarters. So the Haganah then, the Irgun and the Lehi executed a plan to bomb the British side of the hotel. They disguised themselves as Arabs. Okay. Then Irgun fighters set the explosives in the basement while a small bomb was placed across the street as a distraction. Their Irgun called the hotel switchboard to report the bomb hoping to evacuate the hotel and minimize casualties. Okay. Well, the bomb threat was ignored. Okay. Or it came too late and the bomb itself was mistimed. Or the bomb itself was mistimed, one or the other. Anyway, the, the, the plan to evacuate the hotel was essentially failed. So they ended up killing 91 people, 41 Arabs, 28 Brits, 17 Jews, two Armenians, one Russian, one Egyptian, one Greek. Okay, they killed 91 people. It was the single worst terrorist attack in the modern Middle Eastern modern Middle Eastern history and would not be surpassed, okay, until Arabs bombed the US Marines in Beirut in 1983. All right, so this was basically the the The, Israel, the Zionists are saying, we're not playing. England, just get out of here. Forget this 75,000 number. We're going to bring in as many as we want. And as soon as they said, okay, fine, take Israel, 1947, and you get this percentage, then something called Plan D took place. All right? See, I'm a good student. Plan D took place in which the Israelis then took as much land as they could. And it was a land grab. And I think it was AJ Plus that recent that put out 
a clip of old soldiers saying that they would just empty their machine guns on Arabs and laughing at it, right? I can't even tell you how many Arabs I killed, okay? And land that was taken. So it's not just that land was bought. It was bought, but that was an insignificant amount. After 47, so much land was just taken by force, okay? So that essentially is your basic history of how the nation took place or, or developed. Then you have some responses from the Arabs, which are very weak. And I mean, enough to, 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 to warrant wars that go down in the history books. They were intense fights, but you know that you're not defeating a nation that is uh, backed by England, France, and the whole Western country, uh, Western world. So these were basically useless fights. Okay. There's a lot more detail we could have went into, but this is basically to give the novice, the novice, an idea of how this state came about and how this is really, it is a colonizing settler state. Okay. That's really what it is. It's not just an organic state that just developed that, that, um, has issues with people. No, it's a nation that um, is forced. Uh, Aisha Mukhtar is strongly recommending Yasser Qadi, nineteen fourteen, the shaping of modern Muslim world. Okay, so you can read up about this, and everyone should should be common knowledge, but it's not. And this is why a lot of these folks who are commenting are commenting about the current events in pure isolation. All right. Just this event, as if history of Israel and Palestine started on sat- two Saturdays ago. All right. Two Saturdays ago. And that's uh, the, the idea. Now, eventually, the Palestinians have been forced into Gaza and the West Bank. And there was the old model of doing business. You have to pay attention because this is the old model of, of doing business is stuff them into these areas, Gaza and the West Bank. Don't give them a state, okay? And then call it a, let's talk peace, right? Let's talk peace. Initiate the peace process. And the peace process has no goal. It has no goal other than to bide time for us until we figure out what to do with the Palestinians. This is what you have to understand about the peace process. Now, mark my word, there will be no more peace process because there's a new model coming around. So the old model, again, imagine this, right? Imagine this. I, I take you, I force you in the corner, right? And then I instigate you to punch me back, okay? Once you punch me back, I say, okay, let's talk, let's talk about peace. Yeah, but the, 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 the initial premise here is now being ignored. The premise being, or the initial step being, that you're only living in Gaza and the West Bank. And then when I inis, inis, instigate you to punch, punch me, then I say, we need to talk peace. So I look like the peacemaker. We need to have a peace talk. Peace talk about what? About you punching me. No, no, no. You punching me is not the issue. You jamming me into this little corner, that's the issue, right? And I'm telling you, this stuff is all planned and it's planned to convince because we're living, Israel found itself living in a world that you have to convince the world of what you're doing, right? 
You got to convince the world of what you did. In the old days, you didn't have to. You just take over and that's it. Nobody's going to know. Okay? Nobody can do anything. But you have to understand the peace process is exactly like this. Okay? I take your car. I instigate you to punch me. And then I say, hold on. Can we just talk peace? Can we talk about arbitrating why you keep punching me? Right? And have peace. It's not about me punching you. It's about you stealing my car. Right? And that's what the peace process was all about. That is the old model of how Israel was dealing with the Arabs. The new model, I believe, going forward, what they're going to be like, is like the whole thing is going to be Israel. And instead of jamming them in Gaza and the West Bank, there will be little tiny prisons everywhere. Right? It doesn't have to be a physical prison, but little tiny hamlets everywhere so that they don't gather in one spot. And then at that point, you don't have to talk about peace. There would be no peace, more peace talks. The peace talks were never meant to solve anything. They were just meant to buy time while we figure out what to do with all these Arabs. So Aisha Mukhtar is observing correctly the map that the UN put up, uh, that Netanyahu put up at the latest UN meeting had no, uh, it was the, the new model. It's all Israel. Arabs are scattered around and there will be little hamlets, little Gazas. Oh, Gaza will still be there, but as a small little, they're going to try to already take the north. And you should see what they've done, taking the north. They said, everyone, go to the south. They turned the electricity and water on in the south. Go to the south. Well, on the way to the south, they were fired and gunned down. Okay. Fired and gunned down. All right. Tahir Omar says, they don't teach us in school. They're too busy teaching uh, LGBT. I have a young man telling me that he's an expos. Expository writing was the first English class that you used to take, right? And it was uh, essays, essentially, about different random topics. Usually pretty, really, really, really boring topics, right? He's like, the whole course is an LGBT trans cheerleading, you know, uh, cheerleading course and he's like uh i don't know what to do i said listen just play dumb and move on you're not going to change anything okay what is the latest the latest is that the world health organization is saying that humanitarian aid has been disallowed from entering into gaza Egyptian authorities have said that Israel is not cooperating with efforts to deliver much-needed humanitarian aid. Obviously, they're trying to kill these people. Um, and, of course, Ben Shapiro's civilian casualties are not casualties at all. As he continues foaming at the mouth and, and going crazy. There is an urgent need to alleviate the suffering of the Palestinians. Okay, So, till now, they're working on really, probably, I'm going to assume nabbing off half of Gaza at the end of this will be theirs. Okay. And then a million, half the population of Gaza dispersed. You already start hearing liberal politicians trying to be friendly to the Palestinians by saying, 
we welcome you as refugees in our country, right? You're going to start seeing that soon if it hasn't started already. I'll tell you why this is a bunch of wolves. And, of course, these politicians are controlled entities. They're just controlled by their donors and by the big party. But it's almost like this, okay? I see Omar getting jumped and a bunch of thugs stealing his car. I sit back and I say, thugs have a right to defend themselves, okay? And then when they've fully taken his car, I try to make myself a good guy by saying, Omar, I'll give you a ride. Don't worry about that. I'll give you a ride. As if I'm some kind of nice guy. You see the games that are being played. You got uh, We all have to be a bit savvy about how these games are being played. Next time a liberal politician comes up and says, let's welcome the Palestinians. You're a, 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 just a two-faced wolf. You are a two-faced wolf. You're trying to be nice now and say, let's welcome the Palestinians into our homes. You are supporting this. Okay, you lit this match. You watch people gas the fire against the Gaza. You watched it. You supported Israel's right to defend itself. And now you're trying to make yourself to be a nice guy by saying, well, the residents of the house, which we just burned down, let's take them into our house. You're not doing them a favor. I mean, these people are wolves. And you see it all over the place. Now, liberal politicians calling for the West now, Western countries to accept Palestinians, okay? Accept them after you helped burn down their homes and destroy them. And everyone's guilty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us that every dharra of an action is we're, we're watching. You're going to see it. So one word here and there by a politician, one word here and there, a tweet, you're, you're accountable. Everybody's accountable for what they say. Nobody, nobody's uh, off the hook here. <clears throat> okay. Nobody's off the hook here. Okay. I've just come to Turkey and I'm from England. Alhamdulillah for hearing the azan, seeing masajid. Okay, that has nothing to do with the topic, but good. I also feel the same way. In uh, when I go to Turkey, no doubt. Nuh Fulani, what are you saying? Who is this Nuh Fulani? <laughs> yep. What are they saying? So they're saying, is the American interest in Israel geopolitical or evangelical? Do they believe in Israel in the Bible? I mean, the evangelical belief about the return of Israel, David Lloyd George was a British. He's one of the people whose belief in the second coming of Jesus actually moved him to make a political decision to support giving Palestine to Israel. That's essentially the belief. Okay. Um... If you want details, second coming of Israel, uh, of Jesus, is an essential, essential. Now, where, what is its basis? Um, maybe the book of Revelations? Let's find out. Okay. But this is essentially the why the evangelical Christians, 
and the right-wing party, this is one of the reasons why they're pro-Israel. Okay. Now, there's another re- uh, union between Israel and the right all over the world. Israel and the right-wing parties and India, they're all sharing this odd commonality now, okay? Which is that, hold on, you got a Muslim minority that's a problem? We got a Muslim minority that's a problem. So France, Denmark, Sweden, okay, not so much England, they capitulated to their Muslim minority. These nations, now Israel, now India, they're all saying this, they're all saying, hey, you got a problem. We got the same problem. And the lie for Israel to say that is hilarious because the Muslims in Israel are not immigrants. Where did they immigrate from? So you one thing for Denmark to say, oh, we got these Moroccans. France, oh, we got these Senegalese and Algerians. Okay. Germany to say, oh, we got so many Turks. India and Israel, you are not one of them. You are not in this list of people who have a Muslim immigrant problem, okay? But they're all coming together under that banner. That's why Israel and India, you tend to find them siding with the right of any country, the right wing of any country. Because on this one subject, that's where their commonality lies, okay? Christ's second coming is a major doctrine throughout the Bible. It's the most dominant theme in the New Testament, okay? He is coming again in person, physically, visible, the return of the Lord to earth. Christian doctrine. We're reading Christian doctrine here. Why the state of Israel is a necessity, according to their belief, uh, in order to bring about the second coming of Christ. All right? One-fifth of the Bible is this prophecy. There's so many times this prophecy is brought up. Okay. And from the preconditions is... All right. Let's, let's read here. He will come on a white horse to fight God's enemies. So many verses, they're just going through verses after verses after verses. All right, let's go to the comments for today. We've done a quick history lesson on this origin of Israel. We could have gone into more depth, but um, what's that? Donation, Donation stuff. All right, if you want to help out, where do... All right, let's play that. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. While he's pulling that up, Omra for Youth is now at 16,950 out of 25,000. We're 50 bucks short. Launchgood.com slash Omra number four youth. Omra for Youth. 
we're only 50 bucks short of hitting the 17,000 mark. So you got pennies in your couch. You got nickels, quarters, dimes. Okay. Um, push us over the top. Launchgood.com slash Umrah. U-M-R-A. No H. Number four. Youth. Push us over the top to 17,000 for our campaign to send youth to a cheap, uh, lesser price subsidized Umrah trip. And it's subsidized because the prices are out of control for Umrah. And wintertime is the only time that youth can go into Umrah. All right. All right, let's hear it. All right, so as you guys know, uh, we have partnered up, uh, partnered up with uh, some people that are currently on the ground in Palestine, you know, that are uh, giving aid and stuff like that uh, to the people in need over there. So there's a different link now. It's still GRT, but the, there's a new link to make it easier for people to, you know, see all their uh, socials and everything. And I'm going to be sending that in a few minutes. But uh, just some background. Uh, so, uh, some of the brothers, two of the brothers. Uh, we have found out uh, who are distributing hot meals for DRT. Uh, they were killed in an airstrike at the warehouse. Um, so, you know, this is just to give you guys like an idea of what's going on there and the work that these guys are putting in. So I'm going to be playing some of the videos that they've sent. Uh, haven't, none of us have seen these videos. Mir uh, Shadi. So this is going to be our first time watching these as well. Uh, so I'm just going to run through them, inshallah. Let's see. Look at these families, they are migrated from the, from the north to the south. They are searching for a safe place. They are searching for a, search, a safe place for their children. They can't do anything. If they are go, going without any food, without any shelters, without anything, Gaza needs your support. Your support will make the difference. Please donate by anything that you, that, that you can. And make dua for all the people of Gaza. All right, this is GRT again, the organization that we are working with. We know them. I know some of the main people there. So there is a verified organization with um, complete legality to operate and to raise funds in the country of England. So, but you, we can give them dollars and they're trying to help support uh, people across the world. And this is just one other project. Let's go to the next video. So they're kind of long videos, so I'll try to just run through them. Yeah, no problem. Alright, so this looks like footage from Gaza at the top. At the top a woman is, is being hysterical there because apparently something has happened to her child. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, it says uh, they were amongst those dead. So she just lost a child. Okay. You know, all this pain that's in the hearts of these people, where is it going to go? It's going to go up in the sky. It's going to come down on the people who caused it. I'm just going to run through these videos. Okay, next one. These are our people, folks. They're trying to lift everyone's spirits by singing some qasidas to them. Trying to sing some qasidas That's to the them right to lift their spirits. That brother in the middle is the one that we work with. I mean, I, <clears throat> trying to lift their spirits up as they're driving and 
doing whatever they're doing, you see the dust is just falling. There's just dust everywhere from bombings. By the way, we have one strike on YouTube. We got another strike. We're done for. Wow. Okay. Next video. This is All right. This is live from Gaza. Obviously, was live. Shifat Hospital. And you see here, these are all the people who have evacuated from their homes. And these ambulances, as you see, many ambulances are, are there. And uh, they, have, they, have, they have evacuated most of the injured people. And many of the, uh, of the, the dead, dead people are under the ground now. No one can uh, find them, inshallah, by the civilian defense force, inshallah, they will can do that. As you see here, look at these emigrated people. This is a hospital. This is not a market. This is a hospital. Look at the people who are, are, are there. Everywhere there is a people. There is no, no, no one meter is, is available in a Shifa hospital. You can imagine what is the situation uh, of Gaza. This, this is, is a, a small picture of, 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 of the situation in Gaza. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give the rahmah for, for the dead people and the, the Shifa for the injured. And the blessing shall continue to support for Gaza. Jazakumullah khair. So, so a few more of these short videos. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Looks like the inside of the hospital. Super packed. Okay, that's the inside of the Shifa hospital. Some pictures. Uh, it's yeah. kind of cut off, but... Alright, some photographs the here. The ones who are in the rubble, getting people out of the rubble. Right. In the whole north, Gaza is just rubble. SubhanAllah. Just all rubble. It's just a haze of gray. Look at the car. That's was someone's car. This isn't going anywhere. The stuff that people do, it hangs around and it's gonna come down on the one who did it. And this is the Islamic University has been destroyed completely. That's a university. Like real life is basically done for. Real life is done for. In the right closed, in the left closed, we will go back again to find where are the targeted places. Once again, the same brother that we saw. Alright, so this is our guy reporting. Next, there's one more. Uh, let me see this one. Oh, wow, this one's good. So they're, they're, they're taking footage constantly, and you see some of the footage there of the actual attacks. there you have it at grt is the organization we're supporting we're trying to pool our mon money for the what's their uh, what's the full website for for our site we want you to go to our site there 
So they know what traffic is going from Safina Society. Yeah. Also, I just saw last video. He's going he's gonna to link it. Link it for Instagram, too. Don't forget. Yes, we need to go through this site, this link, so that they know how much traffic we're sending them over. We wanted to send them traffic. That's the idea. Uh, so that they know how much traffic that we are sending over. Um, that's the concept. And you can see there, they are on the ground. Okay. They are on the ground scrapping and doing whatever they can to help these people. So final video, this is just a, like a, kind of the st statistics so far. Some people are kind of curious, I guess. Let me see. Uh, this is the st uh, statistics on, you know, the how many people have. Yeah. All right, let's see these. And everything. So I'm just going to go through this. Well. It's also from GRT. This is the British headquarters. So those are that's those are your numbers. That's the operation uh, that we're trying to support, and we'll keep sending you footage as they send us footage. We'll keep sending you footage. Uh, what is the tafsir of فَإِذَا جَاءَ لَتُفْسِدُنَّ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَّتَيْنِ وَلَا تَعْلُنَّ عُلُوًّا كَبِيرًا Yes, it is the saying of uh, or the tafsir of this is that the Bani Israel will rise to become very powerful twice and in this power they will be corrupt and so corruption in the land so yes that is um, the tafsir of it is that the first time was after the rise of David and Solomon then the Bani Israel, after Sayyidina Sulaiman, in the majority, went astray. But they were very powerful. And the second time is this time that we are witnessing here. Can I also just... Uh, so. I, went through, uh, I just scrolled through it right now. But um, mm -hmm. so this is the same thing that the brother just spoke about. Uh, it's the the uh, statistics and everything. So it's going to quickly, if you want to like pause the video and look at it. Yeah, so the statistics here are 3,000 killed. All right. So it has like the highlights Thir everything. 13 an hour on average. Children are one third of those who are killed. So every hour, four to five children are killed. Injuries, 10,000. Uh, displaced within Gaza, a million. Pregnant women, 50,000. Okay. 
Housing units destroyed. Units, not homes. Units, 65,000. Schools destroyed, 90 plus. Health centers, 19. Ambulances, 20. Water desalination plants, 11. There's some highlights here. Uh, I mean, if you guys want to pause later. Look at the highlights. Electricity, water, fuel, totally cut off. And then this is just general information for those who are unaware. uh, Yeah. The area and then the density of people. And there's a whole map right here if you want to pause it and look at it. So that is what Gaza looks like. The north is where the attacks are happening. And the south is where they want to jam everybody. So they may just take the whole north. Okay. And deal with those million people have to deal with their lives later. That's the idea of what? Probably what what they're going to go for. But it's not the end. They want the whole thing to be Israel. And then little pockets of Arabs everywhere scattered around. In such a way that they can't all come together and do something. See, you put them all, two million in Gaza, they did something. But you scatter them now, that's plan B. Then there's no, they can't have a government, they can't have a voice, they can't, they'll be scattered around. Okay? And, again, watch out for Western liberals to play nice and say, we feel so bad for the Palestinians, let's take them in. That's like saying, all right, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? We're carjacking this guy. Oh, okay, well, I guess you have the right to drive. Well, it was your car from a long time ago anyway, right? All right, so you have the right to drive. And then as the carjacking is finished, we look with an eye of sympathy and a face of sympathy to the carjacked person and say, hey, listen, terrible what happened. Do you need a ride? You two-faced liberals is what you are, okay? And so keep an eye out on these two-faced liberals. Just to conclude, I mean, if you're uh, in, on YouTube, I pinned the link to donate. And then if you're on Instagram, go to Safina Society YouTube and then yeah. go to the live and you can see the pinned, uh, the pinned comment and, uh, to donate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'll probably post it somewhere else, like on the tele- Telegram and stuff as well. Yeah. That should be all. What are some of the questions coming here from... Um yeah, that put up a picture that... Um was was not allowed on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram, of course, it's Zuckerberg and Sandberg. I think her name is Sandberg. These are the people who built up Instagram, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, they're Zionists, right? They have shut down everything. So many posts have been shut down. It's your platform. Do what you want. But one of them had a guy wrapped up to a tree with a fire um, lighting up underneath him. And another guy having a bushel of wood, okay? Hey, can I send it to you? Why don't I just send it to you? Yeah, I'll send it to you so you can put it up there. Okay. Let me put it up there. Uh, This is a really good uh, picture that really explains the way of the Arabs, to be honest with you. This is how how the Arabs have, have done everything. This is their, the way they behave. Wait till this picture comes up and you'll see. Will Iran get involved? No, I don't think so. I think Iran is a type of nation that just pushes the 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 gazans to get involved 
push the Gazans to do it and without them themselves getting involved. I don't foresee them getting involved. Yeah. Kenneth Le- Leachman is saying they bombed the South too. Half the population of Gazans will be displaced by the end of this at minimum. Displaced to where is the question. That is the million-dollar question. Uh, you have a big country like Syria, and people are scattered all over the place. But Gaza, the borders, what border is open for them to to go where is the question. Okay. Okay. Do you think Russia will get involved? I think the only reason Russia would ever get involved would be to make sure the text is clear. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. All right, everyone, take a look at this picture right here. This is the Arabs in relation to Palestine. Okay. In relation to Arabs, this is this is how they're acting. Here you got a guy about to burn up someone at the post, but he's saying, I'm actually with you. Right? When I see all these Arabs with these statements, pro-Palestine statements, I guess what? Is it really what they believe or is it to appease their people? But your actions, your actions is what matters. Okay? Which is just like when we internally, as Muslims, all of this happened during Rabia al-Awwal with all the mawalid that were happening. Okay? And at one of my talks at the Mawalid, because I go to anyone I see, if there's a Mawalid, a gathering like that in a nook or a cranny, I'm going. I'll take my family and we go. Okay. And I gave the talk at one of them and I said, look, the love of the Prophet wasallam, the love of anybody is including, it must include the love of what they love. If you truly love somebody, but you don't love what they love, then you're incomplete. Your love, your love for them is incomplete. Okay. In order to love somebody, truly, you must love what they love. The theory of love is extremely important too. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes you may genuinely not love somebody. Okay. But in your mind, you know you should love them. So what do you do? Your love for them is your actions. Okay? Your actions is what matters. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you love your homes and your business and your family more than you love Allah, what does that mean? How do I check my emotions like that? That's not what it's about. It's about would you disobey Allah for the sake of your business? Would you do something haram for the sake of uh, your home? Okay, For the sake of your family? Your family asks you to drink. Drink up at the Christmas party. You're a convert. Do you drink or not? That's where the, the line is, do you love God or not? Do you love God more or do you love your family more? Well, we love both. But the, 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 what Allah is threatening us with or warning us about is the true nature of love is in your actions. Will you disobey God to please your family? Okay. So this is what we call rational love. It's a love that is a calculation of actions based on who is worth more. Okay? Why is it that Allah tells us in the Quran, Allah and His Messenger are more worthy than you and your whole family and everything, even yourself? Why? Because, first of all, without Allah, we don't exist. Without the Prophet, we wouldn't have guidance. 
if you want to enjoy your family, if you want to enjoy your business, if you want to enjoy your wealth, then you submit to God and his prophet. Okay? They're the ones who are, that's where you're going to get the guidance. So we don't disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sake of anything. That is the sign that you love God more than everything else. Okay? It's not an emotional thing. So I write a great poem. I swing a flag. So when we're talking about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if a person truly loves the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you must love his ummah. Regardless of where it is. There is no ummah any right now in, let's say, south of Chile. Who knows? Just saying something, right? Then I don't need to worry about the south of Chile. I have no business with them. I'm not Spanish. I'm not South American. I have absolutely no business with the south of Chile. The moment comes around that something that I love becomes connected to the south of Chile, then I automatically am connected to the south of Chile. If my family comes and tells me, hey, uh, my in-law is moving to the south of Chile. Well, guess what? Now I got to look it up on the map. I have to care about it. You married into a family. You need to care about that family. I don't check my emotion if I care about the south of Chile. No. As soon as I find out that someone I care about is now invested in the south of Chile, I now care about the south of Chile. If I now find out that a masjid was burned down in the south of Chile, I now care about the south of Chile. Does anyone know where Burma was, the Rohingyans and their history? No. Until we all heard they all got massacred and are now living in tents somewhere in one of the worst humanitarian crises ever. Well, guess what? We all force ourselves to learn. Intellect drives us here. We force ourselves to love them, to care about them, to learn their history, and to financially support them. And I'm proud to say some of my friends went there. Like a fard kifaya, alhamdulillah. They went there, and we support it as much as we can. And at least on our scales on the Day of Judgment, we were involved. New Jersey, our NBIC, our masjid, that community area, we were involved to the degree that we're able to. It's the same thing that's going on here with Palestine. But look at these munafics and what they're saying. Okay? With their actions, a complete zero. And then they say some nice words. What difference is your words? We got to make sure we're genuine and we're for real. Not just words, words, words. We're all saying words because there's no majad. There's no opening for action except through GRT. For us, for example. And other people can support in some other way they can. Okay? And I'm warning everyone to support only known and government authorized charity so you don't end up in jail for supporting terrorism. Hamas is listed as a terrorist state, whether you like it or not. Okay? Or a terrorist organization. You cannot send a penny to them. You're going to be put in jail. You cannot support them with a post. You'll be put in jail. Okay? So we're not stupid either. We have to behave responsibly. You have a family. You have a masjid. You have a community. You have to behave responsibly. That's why when the concept, the GRT stuff was brought, I was like, firstly, is it in the clear? And the British government has authorized this organization to do business all over the world. And that's what we're supporting. So, we're in so far as you can act, you act. Okay? But you see, the moment of truth does not come up immediately. The moment of truth was actually cooked up 
by the decade before that and your behavior the decade before that. So the decade before that, all these Arab countries were like, um, Israel's a good business partner. Uh, let's warm, let's cozy up. Uh, the whole world's doing it, okay? So when the moment of truth comes, khalas, all your ducks are already in, an or, in a row. You're not going to move a finger for the people of Gaza. So it's all set up well in advance. Not set up like it was a... It, it, your actions, you're in the moment. It's basically like a, re, a report card for your past decade of work. If you want to know what is your Arabic like today at the moment, it's not has nothing to do with the moment. It has to do with last 10 years of effort. Okay? That's whether or not you know how to read. So this this cartoon really tells it all. And of course... This cartoon right here that you're looking at was banned on Facebook and Instagram as being a hate speech or whatever. I mean, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? It's so mm. vague, though. Like, you can't tell what it's talking about unless you know. I mean, it's right. so vague. All I put is Arab countries when it comes to Gaza. Can't apply to anything. Right? And is that not the total truth? Psst. We support you. Okay, but your actions aren't aren't. Where are we in England, in New Jersey? We're in New Brunswick. The studio's in New Brunswick. The masjid is two miles away across the border to North Brunswick. Um, if you know what Robert Wood Johnson Hospital is, we're literally one mile down from Robert Wood Johnson Hospital on the same street as Robert Wood Johnson Hospital, which I call Bob Wood. Okay. You have seven hundred seventy dollars so far uh, raised for through the Safina link. Okay, mashallah, very good. Seven hundred and sixty-nine pounds. pounds and thirty cents. Let's get that to seven seventy at least, right? Across the board. Amazing. Through the appeal. All right. Everyone should be donating. Uh, support the appeal. Go to the link that's there. Okay. So Mary, Mary, Mary Wedge, uh, we're. Under Edison. So Edison, it's Edison, and then it's North Brunswick. Then, what is it like? Southwest. Yeah, like we're the Southwest. So we're a hop and a skip from Edison, really. Anytime we want to go to Edison is like like five-minute drive, ten-minute drive maximum. Hop on to Route 1, Route 1 North, go up. Now, what, what did I mean by saying we got strike? There's an organization called Propaganda & Co. They're doing great work in dispelling lies and disinformation misinformation and hoaxes like the 40 baby hoax they're one of the first people to track down the fraudulent israeli uh journalist who made up the hoax that she saw 40 babies with their head cuts off and that's the tail end of her thing wouldn't you lead with that right what you can't tell a news story and then at the end of the news story and I also saw 40 babies with their head cuts off. Wait, why don't you lead with that then? Okay, 40 babies with their heads cuts off. Where are the parents? Where, are the, where is anyone claiming to not have their kid? Wouldn't you have a line? Wouldn't you have a hotline? Hey, do you know you, don't, you lost your infant? Wouldn't the nation have a hotline? Hey, you lost your infant? Call this hotline and a list of people. Moms and dads, this is our infant. This is her picture. This is his picture. None of that. It's a hoax, a complete hoax. So Propaganda and Company were some of the people that um, called out the hoax. 
we put up their footage and their video. And the Zionists, you know, Israel supporters that go around the internet, scouring the internet, then flagged us. So we got a strike from YouTube. Of course, YouTube uh, uh, obediently obeyed them, okay, and gave us a strike. What does it mean when I'm telling we get one more strike, we're done for? We won't be able to upload or go live. For a week, is that the suspension? Okay. I mean, we just have to use a different YouTube. We won't have much reach, but we'll have to. Khair T, who's deleting? No one's deleting. Omar, did did you delete Khair T? No, he, no one's deleting your stuff. I didn't touch anything. So I yeah, I'm telling you the best way to plan is to plan for the bad times, not to plan for the good times. Plan yourself for the bad times so that this moment of truth doesn't come and you fall flat on your face like a munafiq. And it's nice, it's good to hear. I'll tell you who is the munafiq of in the Muslim community. The both sides people. You are the worst. Oh, but both sides are guilty. Okay. That is your way of being politically correct. Yeah, both sides. But that doesn't excuse children. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You go and stay silent on Gaza for, and Palestine for a decade. And you never say anything. And the moment the Palestinian punches back, you're going to go with the both sides argument. Okay. You know, there's blame on both sides. Okay, there's a guy who is a guy who is oppressing 3 million people. Uh, from the 3 million people, a couple guys come back and oppress 1,000 people. Oh, but both sides. 3 million, 1,000. Okay. You got the, the both sides types. By the way, anyone who is a both sider, let me know so that I could just stay away from them so my blood pressure doesn't go up. The both siders, you know, the, it's complicated guys. It reminds yep. me of uh, the all lives matter kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. All lives matter. All lives matter. Hold on a second. I don't see anyone going around getting shot by cops except blacks, right? Who's going around getting shot? This is why, like, initially in the initial phase, Black Lives Matter, just as a phrase, yeah, that's what you. That's what I support. Because initially, because you know BLM initially, now, it's yeah. like a homosexual thing. It's a trans thing. It's anti-family, anti-everything. Yeah, yeah. Belief. It's like morphed into some other money. bizarre thing. Say what? And also apparently like they're using money for the money they got for yeah. like their own. Yeah, it's, it's morphed into something else. But the initial phrase, right? And you're going to come and respond and say, no, all lives matter. Yeah, but who are the other lives getting shot up by cops? What's no difference here? There's no difference here. Like, usually it would be fine to say that, right? All lives matter. But, like, you're In only general. saying it. The only time you're saying exactly. it is when that happens. Your only time you're saying it is to respond back when someone says black lives matter. Should have said okay. that before, too. Like, why yeah. are you saying it all of a sudden? Yeah. It's clear what you're trying to do. Like. Exactly. It's, it's a political statement on when you support a group. Uh, or you, when you support both sides or blame both sides. So you refuse to, to, to support one the, the one side that is more victimized than the other. Okay.
Sophia's saying if another person says it's a complicated issue, it's not complicated at all. Yeah. If another person, it's complicated, both sides, those phrases, as soon as you hear them, munafik. All right, folks. Tomorrow we do more of this, and we continue. This is an issue that's continuing on. Definitely for tomorrow, we plan to read you some more and to go in more into the history. Um, we we did skip over some details, which I do want to talk about tomorrow. Inshallah ta'ala, we will do that. Jazakumullah khairan, uh, brothers and sisters. Have a good rest of the day. And we will see you all tomorrow. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Shiva, Bayram,